time for a bonus, a bonus episode. I love episodes of theater, 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 theater. We're going off the beaten path, off the beaten path. We're Hey friends, welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds, made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. That I messed up my name, but it's my I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. You know who I am. Each week we get together and we discuss, debate, and disseminate the works of the great playwrights. And today is a bonus episode, an artist spotlight with somebody I'm extremely excited to introduce you all to. Someone you're going to hear a lot more from later, both on our podcast and just in the world of theater. Today, our guest and our artist spotlight is on Maddox Pennington. Hey, Maddox, how are you? Hi, Bailey. Very good. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm so good. Maddox, Maddox is a, uh, first of all, phenomenal person, as I have learned just in our little bit of, of chatting we've, we've gotten to do, but also a phenomenal writer and a teacher and a USC lecturer, and yeah, and uh, and honestly, one of the most genuine people I've ever met. And I've only talked to you a few times, and I can already feel that. Thanks. That's but very kind of you. You're absolutely incredible. You are also the winner of the Theater Theater Playwright Award this year at the Hollywood Fringe Fest. In fact, the inaugural winner. You're the first ever winner of this. That means uh, you have to mention me every time anybody wins. That's right. right. That's right. We will moving forward. It will be called the Maddox Pennington Award. Um, also, truly a pleasure and an honor. Honestly, I don't know if you know this yet, but your mini series that we're doing on you has a title because Does we it? always we always title our mini series based on a play that they've written. But we actually this time we we did it a little differently. So you can say no to this, but I just wanted to throw this out there. We're gonna call it Madcast Poddington. Ah! <laughs> Uh, that's that's amazing, and I'm like mad I didn't think of that when yeah. I was changing my name a couple years ago. Like that would have really been an assertive foray into yes. <laughs> sort of multi-branding naming. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Well, okay. So I gave you kind of a basic introduction, but if you could give us just like you know a a little bio on yourself, let us know who you are. Don't get too deep into the theater stuff yet. I'm going to ask about that, but also if you can give us your preferred pronouns and just anything you want listeners to know, that would be great. Um, yes, thank you. So uh, my name is Maddox. My pronouns are they or he. Uh, I've been in the Los Angeles area for about uh, just over just over a year. Um, my Los Angeles anniversary was like May 11th or something. Okay. Yeah, I, I came out here to to take this lecture job at USC and also in hopes of um, tapping into more of a, a creative community. Uh, I was teaching in Washington D.C. before, which has a great theater scene that I grew up in. But I just wanted something that was, you know, big and different. And that's what Los Angeles is. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you, you said you're from Tulsa originally. I was originally right? born in Tulsa. Yep. A member of the Cherokee Nation. Wow. Um, and we moved out when I was, we moved around a lot when I was little and moved to D.C. when I was about eight. Um, but a lot of my family is still back there. And the play that I'm currently working on is about family members who, sorry, you said not to get into theater stuff. And it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, the play, the play I'm currently working on is about family members who um, were... Uh, from Oklahoma and Arkansas and actually came out to LA before the Dust Bowl. And some wow. of them stayed and some of them went back home for the Dust Bowl, which is just, from my perspective in the future, you just want to like reach back in time and be like, hey, maybe no, maybe right. don't. Maybe right. 
maybe it's not that bad. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I, I'm from Kansas, so mm-hmm. you know, similar similar situation there. Uh, my family also has a lot of. Uh, I mean. Chickasaw and Cherokee. Actually, yeah. Is, yeah. I, I am not personally part of the nation in any way. I don't have a card or anything, you know, but it's just I know about the history and I have a lot of pictures and beautiful, beautiful history about about the family. So that's incredible. I'll, I'll connect with you about that. Oh, later. that's dope. Yeah, we have to talk about it. We'll get into it because um, I actually didn't know that about you. So that's super cool. Uh, OK, here's a big question for you. Mm. And this might have a really big answer and that's OK. How did you find theater? Or how did theater find you? I think maybe. (laughs) My parents took me to see Guys and Dolls when I was three years old. And I sat in the second row. And the story is everybody around me was like, why did you bring a three-year-old? But I was just like wrapped the entire time. Um, I was always like just, I was an only child until I was about seven. So I was always very like dramatic and very entertaining myself. Sure. Um, My parents put me in a community theater class when I was six that a friend's mom was running. And they asked everybody to tell a lie that they would then make into the play. And my lie was, this is true. (laughs) My mother was a bird, but I turned out to be a banana. (laughs) which is like what i thought a lie was and then also from like a trans perspective kind of insightful yeah that's deep (laughs) and that was it like you know i know we made props we made masks we made sets i barely remember my like part from it um but i was just just hooked i grew up on like musicals and old-time radio um just a lot of like storytelling um and theatricality um yeah, and then we moved to D.C., and my parents started taking me to the Shakespeare Theater there really cool. young. I Very once cool. rode up in an elevator with the actor who's playing Macbeth, and I was like, you know, they call it the Scottish play, which yeah. like, okay, yeah. Jesus, baby, not X. But I was nine, so it was cute enough that exactly laughed and was like, oh. Yes. <laughs> so you started out in Frank Lesserville, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and then ended up in ended up in, in Shakespeareville. So, so, so that's when you're young. And then what kind of makes you want to be a writer or a playwright and what leads you there? I think I was always a a writer. I think like a lot of the people that have that internal narration, you're just never not writing. And if you don't write it down, you're never going to stop talking. Well, the the bird and banana lie alone proves that you are a good writer. Right. And a really (laughs) flexible understanding of like truth and deception. (laughs) Yes. Um, yes. As you must have. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was, you know, I was a theater critic um, in high school. I wanted to be uh, in musical theater, but I couldn't act or dance. And it turns out that's something they really look for in the industry. And so, um, yeah, I was just, I was always writing and then I got into creative nonfiction. I went to grad school, grad school in Columbia for creative nonfiction. Um, and then uh, as I came out of that, I moved to DC in 2017 um, and got into the stand-up scene there and cool. learned so much about like performance and timing and flow and how things are very different on the page than they are yes. uh, in person. Yes. And then um, I had also always wanted to get into TV writing. I had taken like an intensive course during grad school and I was just like playing around, like for fun, this is what I would do with my summers, like write an eight episode Villette adaptation for cool. fun. Like, so if the BBC <laughs> calls and offers me, you know, $20 million, uh-huh. I have a project ready. Done. And then, um, you know, I sort of, I'm somebody that I, I really like just the process of, of writing and of any kind, but I don't like a process that is never going to go anywhere. So I was like, okay, while I'm waiting on the BBC $20 million, uh what if i tried <laughs> writing something a little more like you know with a I don't, I don't know like a lifespan that i can be more involved with and then yes. the pandemic happened and i took an online 
um, playwriting adaptation class at the Shakespeare Theater and then met a bunch of other folks who were also like getting into playwriting more because what else are we going to do? Right. Um, and then that's just really been like my creative absorption for the past three years. Yeah, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, I, I can already tell that we're going to be friends because of the amount of times <laughs> that I want to go, oh my God, me too. Oh yeah, I feel the same way. Um, but I'm holding myself back because this is an interview, not a kick it session. Uh, we'll get to that later. Um, okay, so you're a teacher, you're a lecturer at USC. I, I kind of want to understand more, like, what do you teach? And more importantly, like, what is your philosophy on teaching? Like, why do you teach? What is your, what do you hope someone leaves a lecture or a, a, a semester with you? Ugh, I love that question. Having. Yeah. Um, well, I teach college writing and um, I currently teach in like USC has these thematics that they group their writing classes into. And I'm currently in the human values and beliefs thematic, which I interpret into a course um, on empathy and monsters. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, I want to take that. No. It's dope. I'll send you the syllabus. But basically what I always hope students come out of my classes with is like an understanding of their process as a yeah. writer. Yeah. Um, an understanding of like the resources available to them, both as a, a person in the world broadly, right? Like as a writer, yeah. it's a social activity. Experienced right. writers get eyes on their drafts and they embrace the crappy first drafts. Can I swear? Because I was going to say shitty first drafts. Say all the fucking swear words you want. <laughs> embrace the shitty first drafts. That's right. Um, and just really, I want them to know themselves better as writers so that whatever field they go into, they know how to be clear and persuasive and have integrity wow. um, as as people in the world. So it's a, a small load for a 14-week <laughs> semester to carry. <laughs> and But a legit one. And as someone who loves – I'm a huge Universal Movie Monster guy. It's mm -hmm. just one of those things that I, I – it's one of my, my nerddoms. Uh, so when you said that, I had a minor panic attack. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> okay. So here is – we're going to get into – because the podcast is about playwrights. It's about plays. It's about taking a macro look at these, at these evolutions of playwrights. And so – I want to start about you and then I kind of want to ask some favorites questions. What are your favorite this, that, whatever. Oh, but first, here's a favorite question about you. What is your favorite thing you have written? Oh, gosh. The rest will not get jealous. <laughs> they will. They're going to hear about it. Yeah, they'll hear about They're going to take it out of me later when I try to edit them. They'll be yeah. like, oh, really? <laughs> now you want to oh. spend some time together. I'm not good enough? Is that what you're, <laughs> you're changing words now? I mean, I am extremely proud of Love Chicken because the whole time I was writing it, it was in like the fall of 2020 and I was like, you know, alone and like touch starved and just wanted to hang out with some people that in real life I would love to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote a play that I could spend time with in a way that like engages your emotions, but doesn't, you know, make them boil over, like drop you off a cliff. Like it's just a loving place. I will me. say, Love Chicken, it's a little upsetting that there aren't <laughs> 30 seasons of it. I know. Well, I have, actually. So I wrote Love Chicken first as a, a one act. And then I was like, but I'm not done. So then I wrote the second act. And then I, because again, this is my fun hobby, <laughs> like storyboarded a 10 episode first season for it. Yes. So I have a lot of things that happen in that universe that every so often I sit and like try to write. But again, I don't really want to do that until someone hands me a giant check. And exactly. it's like, hey. <laughs> exactly. Now I, I, I don't want to get too deep into love chicken because yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. we're going to do a whole episode on it. But I just, I just have to say 
it 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 was the reason in a lot of ways that it won and that you mm. won is that we walked away we were all just like glowing when we walked out but oh. we also had that like i want to kick it with them for 10 more hours truly i, I want to be so with them i don't care about any of that audience i want to be with the people <laughs> that were on that stage like it was just it was just so special and we could tell your voice was so special through these people, and you made them so real, and that cast made them so real. Dynamite cast. Shout out to Mod and Summer and Mitch and Isabella for oh just... Oh, my goodness. I actually just got uh, chills up my neck, uh, like, thinking about it. Like, when you started saying their names, I was like, right! They're all genius. Like Truly. It was it, such a, a blessed experience, and, like... So that has a huge, huge special place in my heart, as well as being like my first full production of anything. Yeah. Um, and then the play that I'm working on right now is about my my native family coming to LA. And so it's called Embers Born West. And cool. um, so I am the most scared of it okay. of anything that I've written, but I, you know, I really want it to approve of me, yeah. which is a weird thing to feel. Wow, me. no, I wow. That's a <laughs> that's a sentence that uh, hits home for me as, right? a writer as well. Yeah, I hear that. I, I, I totally hear that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I can't wait to read your other plays. We're gonna we're covering them for the podcast. So we'll talk a little bit more about you later. Sure. But I do want to know. I I really am intri- intrigued by this, but I think it tells you a lot about a person. So I want to know this about you. Who is your favorite playwright? I'm a terrible person to answer this question because I don't have like a huge theater background aside from just, you know, like growing up and and seeing stuff. Or even theater artist, like even if it's not a playwright, like who is the person that you kind of look up to or strive to be or not be, you know, you're Maddox, only the only Maddox. I mean, I definitely want to, I feel like I'm aspirationally on like the Mindy Kaling success track mm. because she also got started right at a French festival doing Correct. a two-person play with her yeah. best friend uh, and then that turned into the office and then that turned into her media empire yeah um, I love telling that story to people who don't know it it's in- it's incredible yeah so much so well cool. and then I also think about like Jane Lynch who didn't do her friend's show or like you know Indie's show until she was I think in her 40s right um um I took um Oh God, I'm gonna forget the name. Hang on, please hold. Yeah, um, <laughs> I took a, a class on like the absurdists. Um, oh, yeah, sure. And that was really cool. I mean, anybody who's just like you know doing something weird, um, I really love. I love um, <laughs> aesthetically like everything that Baz Luhrmann does. <laughs> cool. Did you see the new Elvis movie? I did not see the new Elvis movie, but I did okay. see Moulin Rouge in Boston when it was still doing its out-of-town tryouts, and yeah. then again in New York, and then I'm seeing it again out here, cool. which I know is not, like, technically Baz Luhrmann, but it clearly is, like, It's oh, not, but it's Luhrmann. fully inspired. I mean, that's the best part of that musical is that it's just the ba- Baz Luhrmann yeah. on stage. You're just on like, stage. yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody has microphones, and it's okay, not like when he tried to do the opera, and everyone was like, hey, right. wait. Right, Um yeah, I also love, I of course don't remember who directed it, but can I just tell you like one of my favorite moments of theater ever? Please. Um, I was seeing The Crucible in New York with Sophie Okonedo and Ben Wishaw. And cool. they did this thing at the beginning of the second act. So, you know, the first act is like all hell breaking loose and the second act is like hell continuing to break loose, but now it's in a courtroom. Sure. At the beginning of the second act, they had this wolf walk across the stage 
just like curtains up and then just this wolf in silence. And I was close enough that I could see the treats on the floor that the wolf was being motivated by. But okay. like also it created this feeling of like, this is what it was, this is what it must have been like to be in a community where there's like this monster in the room and nobody yeah. can acknowledge it. You don't want to move because you don't want to attract its attention, but like everyone sees it and no one's doing anything. And we all know that no one's doing anything, which is yeah. as distressing as like the fact that a wolf is walking by. Oh my God, I love that. It was so cool. And I do not know who was responsible for it, but if they hear this podcast, I just want them to know. <laughs> That's that incredible. Had, like, changed my thoughts about theater. Cause I also love like classic plays. I love Shakespeare and I love Chekhov. Yeah, yeah. Sure. But like, the idea that you can take something so well known and just put something in it. It's not referenced in the text, not acknowledged by the actors, and yeah. it can just like change the energy in a room. Like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. <sighs> yeah. I thought that was cool. No, that's that's awesome. I those are the best moments of theater. The ones that you think about later and they still give you the feels. It is just like, oh, you're like, how do I do that? Oh, I also exactly. want to shout out um, Mary Catherine Nagel, who's another Cherokee playwright, cool. um, whose work I find really just exciting. Um, I'm very influential. Uh, I'm 90% sure she's on our season four list. I'm like 99% sure. Sovereignty is the play of hers that I saw. I'm um, trying to remember who it was that suggested her. It might have actually been Scott on the play because he's 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 tapped into some like weirder deeper playwright things that people aren't talking about as mainstream right and i think he's the one that brought her up and we were like okay yeah let's do it and i only did a minor bit of research so that's exciting yeah she's also just very brilliant and very uh kind i got to meet her at like a native <gasps> dc once and she signed oh. my little program and stuff so. that's Good people fucking cool well we'll have you on for that mini series then <gasps> yeah you can oh. be our guest we love having people with any type of context with the playwright. That's super. Yeah, cool. yeah. Uh, okay, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. I promise. Um, is there a favorite play that you didn't write? Oh gosh, I mean, this feels like when you ask someone what music they're into and they say Mozart, yeah. but like I right. really did grow up on so much Shakespeare yeah. that like Much Ado About Nothing and Coriolanus are oh, two cool. plays where I'm just like they can do no wrong. Those plays. That's cool. That's really cool. I've directed <laughs> Coriolanus. I, I I love it. Man, next time I, I like to take these um, like monologue and scene study classes also still at the Shakespeare Theater. Oh yeah, I want to shout out Gregory Woodell, who is this actor that I saw when I was 14. I think he was 20 and debuted at the Shakespeare Theater and I was just like obsessed with him for most yeah. of my adolescence. And now I take classes with him. Oh, and, cool. like Yeah, and it's, it's just really cool. But yeah, we... Um, what was that loop for? Oh, the next time I take one with him, I want to do the like incredibly gay speech. So like, listen, I loved my wife when I married her, but now that I see you, yes, <laughs> I want to do that speech. Yes. That freaking guy. That's incredible. <laughs> well, I'm. it's good to know that you're into Shakespeare. Where I'm always looking for people to come and uh, help out and guest lecture and do things with Shakespeare Youth Festival where I teach. Oh. So I will hit you up for that. I would that, love that so much. That's where I directed Coriolanus was with high schoolers. And it oh, that's was, awesome. I'm and so these kids are like, oh, yeah. Well, and even if they're not, like, the kids and Shakespeare is so fascinating Agreed. to me. Like, I grew up going to, like, a, a Camp Shakespeare at the Shakespeare Theater in DC. Oh, cool. But they, where they would have, like, an older group and a younger group, and they would, like, you know, break the play up so everybody got to do a little bit. That's of, awesome. Um, everything. And it's, I mean, it's, you know, the, the power of the, the storytelling and then the, the, technicalities of the language yeah they just 
crack your brain open in a way exactly. that I don't think anything else does. I the best story from Shakespeare Youth Fest. This is so quick, but I think it's worth telling you right now. Is that I'm sure I've told it on the podcast before, but there I saw Midsummer Night's Dream is the first show I saw at Shakespeare Youth Fest. It's what made me want to work there. Mm-hmm. I saw and their bottom, uh, they had cast a kid. They don't cut anything. It's mm-hmm. full uncut Shakespeare. These shows are sometimes like four hours long. They're huge, Oof. and these kids. I mean, they rehearse all year. It's you know, it's it's yeah, a big, yeah. But the uh, the bottom uh, was um, neurodiverse and ha- uh, uh, was basically nonverbal. Mm. Um, was could could speak, but it was very difficult to understand. And um, uh, his parents could really understand him, and that was that was kind of it. But they cast him as bottom mm. and just had him do it. He did it. He knew everything he was saying. Yeah. And that's a huge role. And because he knew everything he was saying, we knew everything he mm. was saying. And it was actually one of the most profound bits of theater I've ever seen in my life. And yeah. he, he was like 11 or 12. And uh, last year, he just graduated high school this year. He um, uh, played my Richard III. <gasps> and he was absolutely incredible. It was over I Zoom, bet. but it was still, it was, still. He was incredible. Yeah. Oh, man. The intersection of disability and theater, I mean, disability and everything, is one of my both, like, teaching interests and then, like, person interests. Yeah. Um, one of the the coolest productions I ever saw, again, at <laughs> DC Shakespeare Theater, uh, was they, it was a King Lear where they cast this wonderful deaf actress named Monique Holt as Cordelia, and then they had the fool sign with her and speak her lines aloud. Yes. So she that. signed, and and he spoke... And the way that it brought out these relationships in such surprising and exciting ways, like everything Deaf West Theater does is amazing. I was about to say, did yeah. you see the Fidelio that they did? I didn't see their Fidelio. I saw their um, Spring Awakening. And then my buddy Sarah Novich um, is a writer who's developing uh, a play with them cool. um, and is deaf and has taught me just so much about like ways that disability can enter into theater work in exciting ways. Like their their most recent novel uh, is about a deaf school. And one of the ways that they wanted to incorporate ASL is in the audiobook. They had, they recorded her signing in the room and layered that under the speaking of the person Whoa. reading the book. Whoa. Right? Cool. Right. Cool. <laughs> well, I'm working with Deaf West right now, actually. <laughs> I uh, they're They're doing Oedipus. Tyrannus at the um, the Getty Villa. It's outdoor mm-hmm. in their amphitheater, and it's directed by Ginny Coons, mm-hmm. who directed Head Over Heels at the Playhouse recently, which was like this massive, just like queer celebration with Alaska Thunderfuck and like all these. It was super fun, <laughs> um, amazing. Yeah, but uh, highly recommend checking that out uh, if you if you ah. get the chance. I'll, I'll send you a ticket. I'll send you a ticket. Um, come see Oedipus. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so, oh, there's a couple things, more things I wanted to ask you, but I keep forgetting that this is an interview and that we're not hanging out. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, okay. Do you have anything that you want to promote right now? Is there anything coming up? Is there anything we can check out on your socials? I did see that I think Love Chicken has a, a filmed... Love Chicken is streaming. Yep, you can uh, kick in five bucks, or if that's uh, outside your feasibility, you can just message me, and I will send you a link to it. Um, Yeah, you watch it it right now. They captured the uh, the encore performance, which I wasn't there for. That was the other crazy thing that I was teaching in New Jersey this summer, and like literally the day after I got there, um, I got the news that we had been invited to do this encore, and so I had to go from like 
you know, being so involved with this that I know where every prop goes to trying to like transfer that knowledge yeah. to like very well-meaning great friends who jumped sure. in to like be my stage crew. That's and tough, like though. So I actually can't watch it. We also fortunately have one of our uh, final performance. Oh, cool. It was recorded that I can watch because I was there, even though the yeah. like the you know the other one is more kind of polished. Um, I can't watch it. I can only watch yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that I was there for. I fully understand. <laughs> I I I have to say I don't think Love Chicken needs it at all, but there was something to you coming out at the beginning and saying, mm. just so you know, the beginning of this play, the idea of the beginning of this play was uh the seed if you will that that created this was like i just want to see these people without it having to be like uh, teaching us something it's just like these are people we're normalizing it these are people they're trans they're talking and they're trans and great right and, and they're like making out and there's some great music and, happening. and it's sexy and, like, and it's funny it. yeah. and it's yeah and it feels like a sitcom it feels like a mainstream sitcom and that's why it won our award in a lot of ways because not because you came out and stated that <laughs> but but for that reason yeah and and i i'm getting into love chicken i won't talk about love chicken anymore but it just it was that thing and i i think it's it's a testament to you and just and and as a writer and and why i think uh, you're one of our new brilliant minds that I'm so excited to see like where, where you head and stuff because it's, it is true that I was saying this before we were recording. I saw a lot of theater at fringe this year that was just so on the nose and really wanted me to know what it was trying to say. Mm. Love chicken. I just want to hang out with them and I want to watch it 500 times. That's how me I feel about love. Chicken. <laughs> and if that's not good theater, I don't know what is. <laughs> You know, and that to me is just as revolutionary, just as much of a rebellion, just as much of a fuck you to mainstream theater as as anything else. So I I um I appreciate that and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad that it left people with that kind of warmth. And I know the actors, you know, shared with me that they felt that as well. And um I mean, it was even evident from like during the audition process again. We're not talking about Love Chicken, but if we were, the, the <laughs> way that not only like the actors that I got to meet, but then when I had callbacks when we were all in a room, you know, even masked for the first time, um, just the, the cast chemistry was so good. And I could have actually done two parallel productions because there were that many great, mm. um, fascinating, warm, funny, like non-binary actors here. And, yes. and it was amazing to find them all at like the beginning of their you know, career journeys. Like it was Maude's first play on stage. It was Summer's oh, wow. first full play on stage. It was Isabella's first play on stage. And now they've gone off to um, Edinburgh to get a fucking master's degree in acting. Wow. Abandoned me. And I had a lot of plans. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but they also had their own plans for their yeah. lives. Okay, oh, fine. Well, sure. Okay. I guess. I guess. I guess. Well, I've we've said multiple times, I think on the podcast, we I want to buy them all a drink and, and kick it with them. Yeah. And and just that community just already feels so real and tight and 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 beautiful and warm. Uh and you know, Los Angeles is it's a hard place to find those communities and um as queer people especially it's hard for us to find things that actually can feel like a community in the right way without it uh you know, um having some basis in otherness, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and it's that's... also just exhausting 
to be with human beings and then exhausting to be without them. And so yeah. that's also a big part of Love Chicken, right? The messiness that a very small community has to contain because there are just not that many of us. Like, did you watch the, the boys in the band um, either on stage or the, the film version I've of it? I've like, done both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just like a bunch of gay dudes being horrible to each other and <laughs> still staying in the room because who else are you going to hang out with? Yeah, like, exactly. Ugh. <laughs> heartbreaking and real though so real yeah like so real like i also since we totally have gotten into like D D, which reconnects me with all this like nerd roots from like elementary school and high school where i'm like oh yeah. right even like there's gonna be people that just grind on your nerves and yet they're your people did you get a chance to see the pastiche queen um show no but they're gonna Guy be Gags? speaking of things to uh, promote they're gonna be the main character in my embers born west um reading is coming up october 1st and 2nd um okay. dan lovato uh, yes. haven't met them in person but we've chatted on instagram and, and they're gonna play this character that's like ve- okay i'm gonna pretend like it's loosely based on me the character's name used to be maddox <laughs> and okay. that was Jay. Um, okay. but yeah so they're gonna play me which is really gonna be fun for them. yes Did you I get to see that. it was it amazing i heard that it was uh, it was it was a tight run between their show and yours. I'll be honest. It was a show. It was the 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 thing that kind of I'll say this. I'll say this on the pie. I don't mind saying it because it was an incredible show. The thing that kind of lost it out in a lot of ways, besides the fact that Love Chicken was Love Chicken, but it it what lost out in some ways. What lost some points was it felt very much like two shows. Mm. It was like two small shows. It was basically them showing their work to us Mm -hmm. and i loved it but as a core piece it wasn't a play like Mm -hmm. love chicken was right and so it was it was difficult for our first play right award to to hand it over to something that felt more like uh you know performance art than anything it was incredible i all that to say level one gygax was was phenomenal i really again i wanted to see it but i was so like just COVID spooked Totally get it. Um, and needed to get us through this run without yeah. anybody getting sick. Uh, but I'm yeah, glad I'm you're really connected to them, to, though. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm really excited to hear more about that and like to talk to them about what a one person show is like because obviously teaching is a little bit like whatever my stand up buddies would be like you know gosh you're you know you're doing like you know five to ten minutes and I'm like I do three seventy minute shows yeah. twice a week like that's what teaching feels like exactly but it's I think a different experience the dynamics when you know you've invited to come see you've invited people to come see you as opposed to students that have to come see you (laughs) um where it's an invitation and you have to just hold them for as long as you have them yeah seems like a very cool challenge well maddox you and i are gonna kick it (laughs) i'm forcing that upon you (laughs) um we're gonna we're gonna get drinks coffee whatever you do we're gonna get we're gonna spend time together i'm gonna buy your whole cast (laughs) a a lobster dinner or something i don't know (laughs) um I just feel the need to shower you all to make you friends with me. Um, (laughs) You don't have to bribe us. We'll just hang out, Bailey. Oh, yay. Okay, cool. Well, forget it then. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Of course. First round on me. How about that? Um, But no, we are so excited to cover you. You're our next playwright. Uh, We're doing one more bonus episode that'll come out next week, which will be a... uh, We're covering a movie that Scott picked. It's called... Secrets and Lies? Do you know this? Oh, movie? I do know of it. It's like a nineteen ninety six Mike Lee film, I believe. Okay. I've never heard of it, but it's like a, you know, it's a very Tay kind of, you know, improv based drama, but it's like three hours 
improv-based drama for three hours. I mean, I love Mike Lee, so yeah. I want to have faith, but wow. I haven't seen this, actually, although it's got okay. a really big cast. If you get a chance to watch it, you can give us your take when we when we do your episodes. Dope. Sweet. Okay, well, we're going to reach out to you to set up those times and everything, but thank you so much for joining me for this Artist Spotlight. Is there anything I, – I, I asked you this, and we didn't really get to it. Do you, oh, yeah, is yeah. there anything you want to promote, and is there anything you want to, like, leave us with? The two things that I want to plug. So um, the play that I wrote right after Love Chick is called Annex, and it's about kind of mental illness and queer community and parenting. And it's oh. getting um, a podcast reading from <gasps> Theater Viscera in Portland. And hey. I think the end of September or uh, beginning of October. So if you follow me on uh, the Instagram, it's M-K-P-I-N-L-A. And I'll post about that when it's coming together. And then um, as part of the Moving Arts Mad Lab Fellowship, Cycle 9, uh, I'm working <laughs> on the, the, the Cherokee's Coming West play. It's called Embers Born West. And it's getting a public reading October 1st and 2nd as part of the First Look reading series. So you can catch not only my play, but uh, the work of Alan Freeman and David Crawford, my... Uh, colleagues in this cohort cool. um, and I'm really excited uh, about all of that that's um, super exciting the thing that I would love to leave people with is if you are undecided about writing something just write it somewhere that you don't like in a way you don't usually write like mm. if you sit down and are tortured by a blank page like go for a walk and then grab like some whiteboard markers and write on a window <laughs> <laughs> or like write on post-its like trick yourself through the novelty of the medium that you use for writing yeah. into doing something that you want to do but are in some way stressed about doing that is a phenomenal bit of advice I love that and might use it myself. Uh, <laughs> when we're kicking it, I'll show you my like a beautiful mind style madness yes. wall of like the way that I have to get into the yarn and the yeah yeah I <laughs> yeah. get you I get you cool Vintage postcards from eBay or everywhere it's fine. that it I mean it I can tell you do have a beautiful mind and so therefore <laughs> you're Russell Crowe um, great yeah wait no you're not you're not I promise um, <laughs> you're nothing like him he's awful. Uh, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, no, but thank you. Thank you, Maddox, for, for joining me and, and, and for, for giving us a little bit of context into you so that we can really focus on your work in the actual episodes. We're going to be uh, doing a whole interview series, artist spotlights on everyone we nominated this year for the Playwright Award, uh, including Pastiche Queen, Dan Lovato. Uh, so look forward to those. Those will be coming, dropping on Wednesdays randomly throughout. Um, this one will probably drop Wednesday before your mini series. Oh, so okay. it'll be a few days before people get a chance to get to know you and then they'll get to actually, uh, hear about your works. Uh, if you have the chance, go watch, pay, pay the five bucks or, or message Maddox or whatever you gotta do, but watch Love Chicken. I highly recommend it. Even if it's like an iPhone in the back of the house filming it, I think it's yeah. worth watching. So it's, not, it's definitely not, but it's yeah, watching yeah. it on your phone. You're going to get better audio is what my parents found when we oh. tried to watch it on TV together. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, cool. No, that's great. Well, thank you for joining us, Maddox, and thank, thank you for joining you so us, much. listeners. We appreciate you guys so much. Um, look out for that Scott pick in stuff, and then for the the Maddox miniseries, uh, Mad Madcast Poddington. That's it. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like a Star Wars person that like does maintenance on like pod yes. races. Yeah, you're a you're a you're a pod racer and droid mechanic. Amazing. And he has, like, some great hair color. 
<laughs> yeah, like really green hair and then really big goggles and then <laughs> hangs out with Maz Kanata in the Yes, yes, yes. Season. I love it. Uh, incredible. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much to uh, Pam Quinn for writing the bonus episode song that you heard at the beginning of this episode. Thank you so much to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song, which you will hear at the end of this episode. Thank you to Annie Baker the playwright who actually writes all of these scripts. She wrote everything that Maddox and I said <laughs> today. Uh, that's our little joke because those pauses are so hard. The pauses and the ums and the oh, interruptions. It's fine. That's our one bit on the podcast that has stayed through the whole thing. She writes our podcast. So one day we're going to buy her a beer to thank her. Uh, please go rate, subscribe and review. It really does help. If you write a bad review and still give us five stars, we'll read it on the podcast. So, <laughs> Uh, but all the good times, Maddox, much love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure and honor. The theater. The theater. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. We have a lot of listeners. Theater. Theater.